success is a mindset of be, do, have, is that we've been taught that you have to go out and, and it's a do, have, be society that you have to go out and take these steps, get into the right school, work like hell, maybe get a grad degree, then get the job, work 90 hours a week, get the trophy wife, get the, you know, the house and then get the second one in the Hamptons, you know, get the third car, take the vacations to Hawaii, all those things. And then someday you'll get to be happy. Well, you know, guess what? If you haven't learned to be happy along the way, when you get there, my experiences, Marins, I have, you just want more. You just want another trip, a bigger house, a bigger, a third house. So we say we have to turn that on its head and and, uh, work on happiness first. And that if you're happy and success is an inside job, that you're going to be more successful because people would rather deal with somebody that's happy and you get more aware, you're going to see more opportunities and not have to work so hard. You see, things just happen differently with a little bit of patience. We've been trained that, you know, we're going to starve to death and we're not, no. you know, we can take, we can take a breath. We can, you know, jog rather than sprint as you, as your mentor said to you, we can, yeah, well, there's time. And actually when we're sprinting, we miss so many opportunities. We're not right. looking for. I find, I've made right. more money over over bad you know things that have happened over misses and failures, or in a bad market than I ever had in you know in a booming market. Hey everybody, welcome to the Mental Purpose Podcast, or welcome back. If you've been here before, really appreciate that. And if you're here new, welcome. You're gonna learn some really good stuff today. This is uh, this is, a, is and this is an episode that I feel so aligned in. I'm talking to Dr. Eric Holzapple. The guy is massively successful. Real estate developer, uh, doctorate, like just massively successful. And he's on the same mission that Aaron and I are on. And, and that's so damn cool. And the alignment that we had during this episode and the way that I felt about talking to another human who is as passionate as we are about helping our communities and other humans be better evolve into the most authentic version of them, live fulfilling lives, uh, end internal struggle. That's our mission too. And it's so cool to hear somebody else who's into that as well and pushing hard, you know, and pushing hard in in their industry to serve as, as high level as possible. So we are going to have a lot of fun on this episode, a lot of learning. You're going to have to really pay attention because he drops stuff very fast and very frequently. And if you're listening on like 2x, which I'm not sure how you do that with as fast as I talk, just slow it down a little bit because there's gold at every minute in this episode. So before I tell you about Eric, let me tell you about what we're going to learn on this episode. And uh, and if you haven't already joined our uh, Quitters Club community or our Men on Purpose community, it's free. There's a ton of free resources. There's free coaching. There's all kinds of good stuff in there. Make sure you get over there. And if you would be so kind, if you're enjoying this podcast, make sure wherever you listen, you subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating and a review. That'd be awesome. Five-star rating if possible. Um, and if you think that there's something we can change, reach out to me. I'm, I'm, I'm all about course correction. So if there's something you want to see different, you want to hear different, you want a certain guest on, you want a, a certain topic covered, no problem. I'm happy to do it. This is, about, this is about all of you. I'm just a catalyst. I'm just someone that's an orchestrator. So here's what we're going to learn today. We're going to learn about Eric's corporate life and flying 50 weeks a year and, and being, you know, the, the, the thing that comes to my mind is fat, sick, and nearly dead like that movie. And he had to make a change 
and he was he was chasing dollars and he was chasing success and he was kind of working for the man and just had to end that that cycle and realized that his life was about more than making money or more than his identity was just wrapped around a job which is a lot of people out there and that's just that's not a good way to live your life but guess what on today's episode you're going to hear how Eric and us can help you break that cycle how we can help you through our programs doesn't matter which one you choose just choose to do something we can help you break that cycle. We can help you quit living the life that you thought would make you happy and start living the one that will. We've got framework, curriculum, structure. We'll walk you through it. We promise you and guarantee if you do the work, you will get to where you want to be and who you want to be, which is much more fulfilling than where you are now and who you are now. Plain and simple. All right. Here's what else we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about running from intimacy and using your job or alcohol or other escape tactics to do that. We're going to talk about yoga, mindfulness, mindfulness in business, meditation, being rewarded by the system and those dopamine hits we get from the, the checks and the next sale and the next thing and the next thing and having to break that cycle. We're going to talk about be, do, have. We're going to talk about uh, community contribution and giving back to the community. Givers versus takers. I love this part which is at around the 30 minute mark, affluence equals influence. Love, absolutely love the way he explains that. We're going to talk about giving, moving the needle just a little bit in your community makes such a big difference. We're going to talk about living in the gap. We're going to talk about finding your purpose. I know there's a lot of you that, that ask us all the time about finding your purpose, your mission. We're going to talk about that today. And we're going to give you a step-by-step -step on how to find that. Overcoming self-sabotage, um, the right amount of money for you to actually live your life funded and give back to the community and facing your fears and owning your commitments. It's going to be jam packed. Ready to get started. Here we go. All right, Dr. Eric. I'm just, I love, I love that, man. I, I'm, I have a huge amount of respect and admiration for people that earn that title and, uh, Dr. Eric, it is. <laughs> All right. And um, we'll go with it. Let's talk about Let's talk about mindfulness in business and you've got a you've got a hell of a resume and i when when your bio came over i was i was really excited because it's not a lot of high level business guys like you that want to talk about mindfulness they want to talk about spreadsheets and, and numbers and results and metrics yeah. Yeah, this is very exciting for me man this is great so welcome to the show thanks for being here yeah you're, you're welcome and, then, and thanks for having me absolutely Let's let's get into your background. Where 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 did this all start? Where did this yeah. all come from? Well, I grew up in a really small town in Maine called Dexter, Maine. I went to University of Maine in Orono, got an economics degree, and then out to Colorado to go to Colorado State University, or I got an MBA, and uh, went into work in real estate. And I was. Uh, First started with a company that was going to the moon, but found out that the guy was not all in the up and up mm. and ended up about 18 months later, he had a shareholder that was uh, Australian and they lost all their money. And I met them and they hired me to, uh, they I hit it off with them. They hired me to, they wanted to expand nice. in the United States in the early eighties, mid eighties, I guess it was 1984, 1985. And they hired me. I started in Denver, but then they moved me to Los Angeles, had an office with a construction group they had, Stolte Construction, and I traveled all over the uh, United States, Western Canada, even Europe, over to Australia. And I just had a knack for real estate. I just uh, really was good at it. 
however, I uh, blew up to about 210 pounds oh. and uh, was just traveling. One week I traveled 50 weeks. Mm-hmm. So I had offices in Princeton, New Jersey, in Denver, in Los Angeles. I'd go to Georgia, I'd go to Boston, different places. And then uh, in 1989, I was landed in Denver. I wanted to move back to Denver because they moved me to Los Angeles and I, and I like Colorado. And I landed in a plane. I got a, back then there weren't cell phones. It was a white paging. I'm old. <laughs> got a white page. Answered the phone. And this guy, uh, Noel Darnell, I remember. He's an Australian guy. said, hey, we need you to go to Boston right away. You got to go. So I went to Boston. And they had a New York Stock Exchange company at the time called Bay Financial that was listed. And they owed a big, a big, debt, a big uh, payment to banks in a couple of weeks. And they didn't have the money. And so I went in there and, and helped them, uh, ended up, uh, that company didn't do very well And the, the stock market went really down in 1987. There was a big crash in 89. It really hit the real estate market. We delay, we're behind the stock market quite a bit. Right. Boston crashed. It rents went from $45 to 20 buildings went from full occupancy to half occupancy all over. And anyway, it was a big recession. And, uh, Long story short, I started my own company and consulted for them and helped them work out a big uh, thing. I ended up, I'm from Maine, so I married my wife, uh, met her at this company when I left and uh, got married in, in Maine. And I convinced my wife to move back to Colorado when I entered for my doctorate in uh, wow. 1993. I thought I might want a career in academia, but I really found I was too entrepreneurial for it. So. I got my doctorate in economics, which after being in business for <laughs> many years was not easy. The carbon was burning a little bit, going back and learning algebra and calculus and econometrics and all that. But I got through it, did really well. Actually got to write my dissertation on the Japanese uh, investment in U.S. real estate in the 1980s. You know, they owed, they owned over 80% of down or 50% of downtown Los Angeles at one point yep. in time. So I did my dissertation on that. I had a wonderful uh, advisor, Terry Ozawa. But I got through and then... Uh, you know, what am I going to do? I'm not going to teach full time. I got a job teaching part time at the university as an adjunct. And I met a developer uh, close by in Loveland, Colorado called Don Morostica, who had all kinds of properties tied up and he needed a finance guy. And that was really me. I was just an expert in finance. And uh, so we partnered up and I taught at the university and we developed properties in, uh, in uh, Colorado. So at the same time, I went back for my doctorate, I started in yoga because I really needed to make some health changes. One reason I left that is I just, I just knew that it wasn't sustainable to live yeah. like that. And I really didn't like that, you know, in the big corporate world, it was like weekends didn't matter. Christmas didn't matter. New Year's didn't matter. It was just, you know, we got a closing. You got to be there. Why so is I just, that, do you think? I want to get your opinion on that. <clears throat> money why, rules. Why no one recognizes that. Money rules. You know, yeah. it is money is everything. It doesn't. Is it because uh, there's somebody out there that just completely doesn't care, and you got to compete with that person because that person's working on Christmas Day, so you got to work on Christmas Day, or you're behind. I think, and in, in, in appropriate for your show is, I think money becomes the purpose, and in my world now today, money isn't the purpose. Yeah. You know, yeah, money is a, a result of doing living a purposeful life. Yeah. And if you do it well and you and you serve other people's purposes, then, you know, money flows. But if you make money the purpose, then, you know, there isn't anything that matters more than that. 
I think that that's what's happened when you have such a separation with the people that own companies and who runs them and separation of ownership and control and all those things that happened. Uh, but but I, I just knew that wouldn't work for me. So I decided I'd rather, I went and got a doctorate because I decided I wanted to live in a smaller place, Fort Collins, Colorado, and now I live in Loveland, but I didn't want to think small. You yeah. know, and I wanted to be part of a larger conversation because I was interested in the world and how it worked. I loved economics and that kind of thing. And I loved working in the cities, but I didn't really want to live there and I didn't want to work for big companies. So we can't, I came here and it was good timing and we, you know, had a good run developing. I had taken up yoga. A few years later, my brother introduced me to meditation and my life just started getting better. My stress went down. Uh, for a long time, I was a closet meditator. I just come into work, you know, I'd meditate at home, but I would still just kind of come into work and get, talk to people for what I needed and different things. And actually at that time we didn't have employees, uh, in the eighties, I ended up laying off a lot of people and it was just really bad on my health. I drank a yeah. lot with that, you know, I just yeah. didn't like it. And, uh, so I decided I wasn't going to have employees, but then I got into mindfulness and I actually, something happened. I started really liking people. It was amazing. <laughs> so we hired and, and I was at CSU part-time. So I would, one of the jobs I had there, it asked me to take over the real estate center because they were going to lose a grant. So I helped them with that. And uh, what I was really best at uh, was placing students, you know, at, at assessing yeah. their capabilities. And I knew the community and I'd help place them. And I knew, I knew the difference between residential and commercial and how personalities play in that and skill set, math versus, you know, more softer skills in residential. And uh, so I also placed a lot of students at our firm, a lot of times internships. And if they didn't stay, I'd help them find a firm in Denver or somewhere else. And I ended up knowing, you know, everybody in every firm, you know, virtually in our area. And uh, also got to meet the, you know, fantastic good students and help them. And, and uh, today, you know, I think four of my six partners were for former alum at CSU oh, wow. that I met through there and my connections there was just, uh, uh, was amazing. And anyway, so after a little while, I started one at a time introducing people at my work to practices. Started with one and we started what's called the seed group. Just uh, two people, we got together and then it was four and six and eight. We'd read a book and, you know, do a little mindfulness practice. Gosh, and it just ended up spreading uh, through the company. You know, the room was packed so cool. after a while. And then we brought in, uh, well, first we brought in some trainings that weren't meditation. We brought in Arbinger Outward Mindset. They were mindful, but it wasn't meditation. As people got more warmed up, we brought in mindful-based stress reduction on an eight-week program. And eventually I launched Living in the Gap. You know, I, my company, I just saw the amazing uh, results of not just mindfulness and that, but part of our strategy, and, and you'll see from the procession effect if we get to that, is, is, to, is to really go out in community service, not just the university, but affordable housing projects, the food bank, uh, Habitat for Humanity, you know, and also the chamber boards, economic development boards, all those things. We, we just, we just uh, went out in the community and all of us served. And wonderful things happened. And I saw that and I said, geez, this is making a tremendous difference. So I launched Living in the Gap, training a mindful leadership program and training other professionals to do that. And like this year, okay. uh, 
had uh, one of my former students at CSU come through the program. He worked at Dutton Commercial in uh, Denver. He was in my uh, Living in the Gap program, and he went back and said, hey, look, I'd like my whole company to get involved in this. So we went down and designed an eight-week mindfulness program uh, to teach his company uh, mindfulness, and the, the results were just phenomenal, just to people. You know, we just don't know each other that we work with. We come in, yeah. and most of the time we ask people enough to be social and really yeah. if we need something. But our model turns it and really starts to get to know each other. You know, what are their dreams? What are their children? What are their problems? Who's sick in their family? And really get to know people as people. And uh, ah, it's just been phenomenal. And and we make more money. We, you know, there's nothing in it that uh, I think there's maybe a little hesitation for some people to say, I can't go to that airy-fairy stuff. You know, I got to make money. (laughs) In my experience, you're more aware. You see more what's happening. Uh, You see more opportunities. And you're more focused, you know. Yeah, so people ask take... me some of the best advice that I've ever gotten. They'll say, "What? What's the one great piece of advice you ever got?" And I said, "I said, look, if you get offended by foul language, you're going to get offended. However, don't take the foul language; take the lesson." I, I had this great mentor named Nick Waldner, and and I was just, I had made more money than I'd ever made in my life in 2016. My life was completely falling apart. My marriage was in real trouble. I had a brand new baby at home. My bank account was full. That's all I cared about. I was running so hard and so fast with no direction. No, you know what you're talking about. I'm reading, I'm reading a book a week. I'm doing two podcasts a day. I'm like all that stuff, everything I'm supposed to be doing yet. Everything's falling apart except for the bank accounts growing. The bank account looks great. Everything else is in shambles. And I called Nick and I said, man, I, my, I think my wife wants a divorce. My, my business is amazing and my, I'm miserable. My life is like a mess. But my bank account looks, it looks amazing. And he's like, Look, I, got one, I got one piece of advice for you, man. Take this as serious as you want. Slow the fuck down. And I said, yeah, that sounds, that sounds too easy. And he goes, well, it's not, not for you. But you have to really figure out like yeah. what, it's not only what are you running toward <clears throat> so fast, it's really what are you running from so yeah. fast that subsequently has you running toward money that you think is going to solve these problems, but it won't. And I, I really want to get into that with you because there's so many people out there that their identities wrapped around money, their job, uh, their, their marital status, uh, the parenthood, their money. It's culture. That's our culture. Yeah. 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 And, and, and it's broken. And what's interesting is, you know, what you talked about working holidays, working your birthday, working the weekends, seven days a week, corporate stuff. I did that with my dad's business in a private shipping company that my dad owns. And that was just what my dad was taught. And that's what my dad yeah. taught me is you hustling, you out, you outwork your competition. Yeah. If you got one thing above them, it's you outwork them. I think we had the and same dad. We might have had yeah. the same dad. <laughs> my dad outworked right. everybody. He was a football coach, right. but he just flat out worked. He'd be out there with the lights on at night, you know, in the car going, put your light over there. We're going to practice another hour. Right. You yeah. know, uh, I understand it. Yeah. The, we play a game of baseball and living in the gap. So over my shoulder here is, is a baseball field. And we say, and it's a prioritization system that says, first of all, before you get up to home plate, get your personal work done. You know, if that's meditation or whatever, it doesn't have to be meditation, but whatever it is, your spirituality, if it's prayer, working out, if it's yoga, whatever it is, but get yourself, we read 10 pages from a 
inspirational book, get gratitudes and get our mindset right. So that when we go out, life comes at us and we're ready for it. So then first base is family and friends to prioritize to make sure your family and friends are taken care of before you go to work. Because I see time and time again, you go down the hall, everybody's texting. You know, what's my, what do you, I'm texting with this. I'm doing that. I'm on Facebook. I'm not, you know, I say, no, get that stuff handled. Then go to work and be at work, you know, hundred percent. And then once you get to work, once your work's done, if you're hundred percent, then you can go out to the third base, which is community service, save the world, but it doesn't do any good. Work doesn't do any good. If your family's a mess, as you were talking about, you know, you can have the greatest job in the world. If your family's a mess and community service doesn't much good if you yeah. lose your job. So it's a priority system that we use that really starts making people realize that our relationships are the most important thing in our lives. And we only go to work to support our, our relationship and our health, mainly. Yeah. So anyway, hope that's on point for you. But that's what it is. What was second base again? Second base is your job. job. You know, get your family and friends taken care of and then go to your job and you get your job done before you go save the world. You know, if your job's done, then, you know, go to the food bank, go to whatever your heart's calling you for, go to coach baseball, you know, yep. and if you can get that done and then you go in a home, we call that a home run. You know, you can do it all, but it's got to have a priority system and it's got to start with yourself being in the right mindset and your family. Yep. You see so many people, you think you're working for your family, but you're ignoring them. You know, your family would just as soon would rather see you than a second home or, a, you know, a Mercedes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, what's, what's really interesting about that is when I was in therapy uh, with my wife, she would say, you know, he keeps saying he's running the race for us. Like in a marathon, when you have checkpoints and you can get a little bit of water station, she goes, we're waiting at the water station for him to stop yeah. and spend a little second with us. Yeah. But he runs right by us. Yeah. So like, who are you really running the race for? And I'm, and I'm pointing this out because there's going to be a lot of people listening to this who are stuck in that rat race vicious cycle where their identity is wrapped around money, thinking that they have to be this massive provider. Yet what you said is very accurate. The family doesn't want another trip. They don't want another uh, bank account full. They don't want another high-end car. They just want you. And your most authentic self, too. They don't just want your time. They want you to be the most yeah. authentic version of you. They don't want you at home being a dick and being upset because you're anxious that you're not at work and your competition yeah. is going to get over on you or something like that. They they want the most authentic you. And I, I found right? for myself I was running from intimacy, you know. Interesting. You know, it just didn't – that to slow down and be in that little detail intimacy that, that life and family is uh, was challenging. It was easier to go make money. You know, it was easier to go back on the treadmill. So that took something, but it's worth it. What's up, guys? I'm so sorry to interrupt the episode. I just need one minute to share with you all the new and exciting, amazing stuff we've got created here at Men on Purpose. First of all, thank you for listening to the podcast and supporting the movement we're creating for all the men of the world. Next, you've got to check out our new website, menonpurpose.net, where you'll find all kinds of cool stuff, including links to our podcast and the free Men on Purpose community. You're also going to find our new free purpose-driven formula mini course and ebook and links to all of our new coaching programs and products. Look, I've had so many of you ask me where to get started with your personal growth journey or where you can go to level up. So I put this thing together, this free ebook and mini course, and we're going to be talking about and coaching you through a really light version of our purpose-driven formula, which is our foundational formula. 
And for those of you who are ready now, we got you. Listen up, whether it's becoming the best husband, being the best dad, quitting that job that doesn't serve you, or just understanding how to put you first, we've got what you need to align with your authentic self and find that true fulfillment and live a life with no regrets. Look, we're helping men with structure, support, and sustainability. That's what you've asked for, and that's what we deliver. As we lead you through proven and tested curriculum that focuses on formulas to help you get farther faster. So make sure you go to menonpurpose.net, click the button to download our free, powerful, purpose-driven formula mini course and ebook. And while you're there, make sure you check out some of our amazing products designed to help you find your purpose, stop self-sabotage, and dial in your mindset, skills, and habits to evolve into the best version of you. Why? because we want you to live and have the best life possible. No regrets. So mentalpurpose.net, let's get back to the episode. I, I want to, I really want to get into how you, how you broke all that down. Cause I'm, I'm really interested in the 210 pound guy who gets off the plane and says, I, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. It's not that you can't, it's that you see the writing on the wall. Had to do the health something. Is going, I just knew something was different. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't sustainable. Were you married at that time? No. No, I was uh, drank too much, wasn't exercising, you know, and I was an athlete, you know, all, you know, and it just couldn't do that and and travel 50 weeks, you know, it ended up being meals out and bars and, you know, away on the weekends. And it's just a cycle and thing, you know, and it had to be broken down completely. So I had to make a break, take a break, you know, for a few months, lose the weight, get back running and those kind of things. And then it really turned for me when I started yoga because Yoga is a science of consciousness, and it just started waking me up. You know, I could start feeling what was going in my body, feeling, you know, and feeling emotions and those kind of things that that I'd been really disconnected to. Yeah. Why was was that? Why were you disconnected from those emotions? Why were you having those intimacy issues? Oh, it's just, it's all family stuff growing up, you know, nothing big. Uh, My dad was a football player was a football coach and he was a icon in the, in the town, but he didn't know how to spend time with a five-year-old boy. You know, he didn't know how to take any fishing and, and those kind of, I love my dad, but you know, he didn't play football with me. You know, it was just those kind of things. And I was, I, I remember back at the time and I did a lot of work therapy and other things on it going at, and I just picture myself five years old and my dad going out of the driveway. Am I going, you know, why won't he spend time with me? Yeah. And it's just a non-conscious cycle that went on. And, uh, I didn't really get at it until I was 40. It was even after this stage before I really got at what the cause was. I had to get my health back and and uh, have a real serious look at myself. It took a little while to uncover those layers. It's but it's worth it. That it. It took that long, took that long to, uh, to really accept the fact that you had to start digging in. I mean, that's yeah. what... Our, our work, the, the communities that we run, the, either the Quitters Club or the Mental Purpose community, this podcast, our coaching, our retreats, all the stuff that we do is, is literally that. Like what happened to you when you were a kid that built Always. the patterns and programming that you run today? Like, that's as simple yeah. as we can make it. And we have exercises and stuff around around that those traumas and those events that happen to work you back out and to remove those pieces that just aren't you anymore. And I, I'm almost embarrassed to say that is for me what I found because you hear a lot of stories that are, you know, a lot of kids would like to be ignored. They were beaten or molested or oh, whatever, sure, you know, sure. so I almost get, but it, it's a real story. <laughs> and I think we just get caught up in that treadmill of work that you're talking about and ignore it. You know, we go to our skills, allow us to be successful and we think that's great, but we've ignored growing up. 
you know, yeah. and maturing along the way. Uh, yeah. And we're that we're a we're a fifty year old, eight year old, or a fifty year old, five year old. That's yes. what people don't get when they when they come to me and they're like, "I'm a grown up man." I go, "Yeah, I understand that." But your emotional intelligence registered when you were five, and that's where it stopped growing because you was stunted. Now we have to go back and and take care of the five year old and let the five year old rest and and let go because then you'll be free up yeah. here. It's a, it's a slingshot effect. I think also it's being cool. successful in business, you think I must be okay. You know, I must, well, the, what's the everybody there. must be everybody else because, you know, look at this, I'm getting rewarded by the system of getting promoted right. and getting right. the money and those things. So, you know, and uh, so I think it takes longer sometimes for successful people, but once they get it, they realize, uh, you know, we talk about uh, success as a mindset of be, do, have, is that we've been taught that you have to go out and, and it's a do, have, be society that you have to go out and take these steps, get into the right school, work like hell, maybe get a grad degree, then get the job, work 90 hours a week, get the trophy wife, get the, you know, the house and then get the second one in the Hamptons, you know, get the third car, take the vacations to Hawaii all those things. And then someday you'll get to be happy. Well, you know, guess what? If you haven't learned to be happy along the way, when you get there, my experiences, Marins, I have, you just want more. You just yeah. want another trip, a bigger house, a bigger, a third house. So we say we have to turn that on its head and, and uh, work on happiness first. And that if you're happy and success is an inside job, that you're going to be more successful because people would rather deal with somebody that's happy. And you get more aware, you're going to see more opportunities and not have to work so hard. You see, things just happen differently with a little bit of patience. We've been trained that, you know, we're going to starve to death and we're not. No. You know, we can take we can take a breath. We can, you know, jog rather than sprint, as you as your mentor said to you, we can. Well, there's time. And actually, when we're sprinting, we miss so many opportunities we're not right. looking for. I find, I've made more money over, over bad you know things that have happened over misses and failures or in a bad market than I ever had in you know in a booming market but. yeah I, I'm, I'm so glad you say that it's it's like it, we have so much in common it's just music to my ears I I, I didn't want to live with the regret that I could have done something different and didn't I didn't want to live with that and and I had to I had to just say to myself hey look the the money, the the identity around this business owner and this entrepreneur and, and and the level at which i can play and the cars that i have and the vacations that i take i mean that is programming on your own you're developing a habit it's so funny people will say to me hey man when i uh yeah like i'll work on all that stuff when i get this business built or when i get these next two deals done i'll come back to you and i'm like cool uh, it'll be different for you because i might not want you in here i might not want you here i have the ability to to be selective with who we take on as clients. I don't just let everybody in, especially our one-on-one -on -one high, high ticket programs. And I'll say, look, you just, just understand that you are reinforcing a habit. Like the habit is get it, get it, get it, get it, go after the next one, go for the next one, the next deal, the next deal, the next check, the next sale. Like one day in 20 years, when you wake up, you can't just go to a beach in Hawaii and, and be done with it all. You have mm -hmm. now programmed yourself to, to need I to, say, to yeah. churn to feel something or to get that dopamine hit or to feel significant or important. 
that that's not a good way to go. We spent 50 years learning not to be present. You're not going to be present in an hour. No. You know, no, there's no, another or, process or involved here. of undoing all the stuff we're doing. I'll give you another example. And on my other yeah, shoulder here is on the procession effect. There's so many people. We believe in community service is a great way uh, to build, not only to build community and its uh, gratitude and action, but that the world doesn't work in straight lines. It works in 90 degree angles. So, you know, when a bee goes to get honey, it goes to the, it goes to the flower to pull from honey, but it ends up pollinating the world yeah. in flowers. The sun pulls the moon, it pulls the earth towards it, but the earth doesn't go in crash into the sun. It goes at 90 degrees around it. Or if you throw a yeah. pebble in a pond, the waves go out. Make a cold call, or if you got your car warranty call yet this week, you know, it's like, you know, yeah. stay away from me. But if I'm in a service, uh, you know, one of the biggest deals of my life, I'm in a, I'm on a nonprofit board and truly helping people. And one of the guys came up to me and said, uh, Hey, Eric, I love what you do. You developed you know, that Kroger Center in, in Loving, didn't you? Could you go talk to these guys on North College Avenue in Fort Collins? They need a developer. And we, I trust you. I went and had lunch with this guy. Five years later, I'm building a, you know, a 350,000-square-foot shopping center because I was out giving of myself, and I learned in a relationship with somebody at a different level than a just transactional relationship. And good stuff happens. That's karma. You got to learn how the world works. It doesn't work head on. It works at, at angles. So you, you, when you put out, and you have to legitimately be working. But it's uh, you know our whole company goes by that. We call it the procession effect from Buckmeister Fuller back in the 1930s. But it's uh, it's a phenomenal. Uh, first of all, and it just what it does for the community is tremendous because business people out in nonprofits can really help them. And on the other side of it, you meet other givers. You meet other real people that are out there trying to help and move the world in a, in a real way rather than meeting takers. And we right. say you're the product of five people you hang around the most. Hang around givers. Hang around other people that are doing good things. If you hang around takers, you're going to end up being a taker or being taken. So, yeah, which is more, more likely, more yeah. likely to, to happen. So I want to ask you some some to get into more depth about community contribution and community involvement, community right. service. Cause it, in my, I'm 39 years old and I have never thought about giving back, um, ever in my life. Like I do today, ever like the alignment that I have with understanding what my business produces revenue wise and what percentage needs to go to these three places. Like just have that real clear intake and and mm -hmm. uh, and like flow of the resource of the financial resource. Never been any, never never been like this. And I think it's from that slowdown. I think it's from that understanding myself, getting into breath work and meditation, and really heavy duty personal development to to what we explain as the the Michelangelo's David effect, which is you don't change or create the David. You remove the pieces of marble that aren't David. David's mm -hmm. just there. Yeah, I love that, that that is how we work our entire coaching program that. and curriculum. There's nothing about you that needs to change. We just need to take that belief pattern from mom from when you were six and that that language pattern from dad about rich people or money or business from when you were 22. We need to remove those things. And so we do, when a, I we do a similar we do those, a similar process. Yeah. Yeah, we, we have a we have a lot in common. We have a lot in common. When, when I was able to slow down and remove those things and actually start to understand the real me, the real authentic me inside, um, 
I started, I started having more compassion and understanding for other human beings and what my purpose really was, right? To be of service to the world, not just in my business, as a human. Now, I'm of service in my business as a coach and as a provider of or orchestrator of information and change and transformation. Yet at the same time, does that mean I can just go out and be a dick? No. Like I have to, I have to take that same mindset and apply it to my personal life because that's what is in my opinion, very aligned yeah. and, and, and fulfilling to me. So the, the, the slowdown allowed me to understand my emotional registration when I, when I think about something or when I come across, like one of my big causes is, and I live in Los Angeles, so it's homelessness, right? And I, I make it a point, like I have a budget every week of what I will donate or give to somebody or buy them a meal because in my, in my personal mission and my business mission, which is to, free people from internal struggle, internal restriction and constraint. If I, I can get this guy a meal for 20 bucks, what did that just do for that guy? Not only did it feed him and fill his belly. I, I was explaining this to my daughter. My daughter says, man, dad, you love feeding homeless people and helping them. And I said, yeah, you know, it's because most people walk by them. So not only do we get the opportunity to fill someone's belly with nourishing food, mm -hmm. we also connected with another human and they now know that they were seen that day and they were they somebody recognized and like like saw them and now yeah. they don't think that they're just scum of the earth just there's hope their day there's hope you know yeah totally totally yeah. and and that's that has has been what's come out especially moving to los angeles and just building my business up and scaling like one of my coaches said you need to know where the money goes where the money flows because it's gonna you're getting rewarded at a high level where's the money flow and it's not into your pocket Where's the community get benefit? And I was like, mm -hmm. I really like the homeless and, and animal shelters. And he's like, great. We so, say uh, affluence increases influence. You know, yeah, I love it's that. Great. no problem love having that. money if you use it in the right ways and you're willing to serve. There's a couple of things, Ian, I think uh, one is just the science of gratitude. You know what it does for an immediate dopamine hit to your brain. Uh, that's probably the lowest hanging fruit is the practice of gratitude. You know, it takes, you know, doesn't even take a minute. And it has an immediate effect on you. Plus, there's an after effect of when you go out in your day, you start looking for things to be grateful for versus going out in the day pissed off and looking for other things yep. to piss you off. So that changes it. And then there's mirror neurons. You know, when you when somebody gives you something, you feel like giving something back to them. It's just an automatic effect with mirror neurons. There's a book called The Go-Giver that's really, really great with this. It's just, you know, you start by giving. When you give to somebody without expectation you're going to get something in return, their natural reaction is wired into, hardwired into people to give something back. Yeah. Now, yeah. if somebody's got a lot of damage and they don't and they're a taker, you know, you'll find that out, you sure. know, and you don't deal with them over long term. But generally, uh, it's wired in that when you go do something nice and do something well, your your number one is you're wiring yourself because we're all we're all have our own world right consciousness is showing now that mostly mostly we're all creating our own worlds we have some shared experiences but it's mostly what we're projecting out through our for our through our own lens and so first we see more things but secondly we're also sending out a signal with mirror neurons that other people are looking to send things back to us so giving is actually 
at the basis of success and that the basics of affluence is feeling out. I mean, you could have a billion dollars and not feel affluent. You can still live in a, in a poverty mentality and scarcity mentality. Or, and I know people that have in poverty that have a, you know, like my mother grew up in poverty and was probably the most spiritual alive person I ever knew because she just was a giving person. You know, she'd give of herself, go to the, she'd go to the, uh, whatever the, the charity wasn't and work, you know, at lunch or make a lunch for us. She'd always have people over for lunches and just bring in somebody that needed it and make them a sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. But when you give of yourself that way, you're sending not just uh, you're sending intention and you're just you're sending a, a signal out by just how we're wired that automatically good things come back at you. So it's not really why to do it. You do it because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. But the uh, the side effects are really tremendous from it and we feel better about it and plus it's the only way the world works you know if we're all gonna just try to uh get our money and put our fence up and get our guns you know stay away from me the world's not gonna work the only way the world works is is if we open and and we give a little you know we're, we're a rich country we're in a rich profession you know give a little and uh the world will work yeah, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. It, 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 there's something in, in our in our seminars, especially, and I'll say to somebody who cares about your business, what, what does it do for the world? Yeah. And, I, and I'll tell you, and he's probably going to listen to this. There was a guy at, a, at a, an event we did a couple months ago, and, um, and I said that to him, who, who gives a shit? And he's like, you know what, I'm not going to be offended by that. Like, I think you're actually, you got a point. And I said, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm not trying to offend you. I'm making a point. What does it matter that you do this? What does it do for the world? Forget about yeah. you. The business funds the life. We get it. What else does it fund? And he was like, I don't know. And I said, well, are, how big are you thinking? Are you thinking about it just covering your bills? Or are you thinking about it, it as a global force for good or something? I mean, who knows, man? Do you want to end hunger? Do you want? What do you want to do? Exactly. If you're if you're a business owner, I, I don't care if you donate 500 bucks a month to your local uh, school board, whatever. It, it's not about it's not about like who you donate to. That has to be a feeling inside of you. It's something you feel yeah. passionate about. It's about something bigger than you and the world winning through you. That is very important, in my opinion. It's very we, important. we start people with a big vision. What's your vision for the world? Is it yeah. ending poverty, ending homelessness? You know, everybody gets a meal, world peace. What is it? And then we say, so stay with that because we're so skeptical. It's hard to have those visions. You know, the world is so skeptical and really so broken right now that it's hard to have that vision. It's almost like, oh, yeah, right. I say, no, but stay with that. Just have the vision and then come down to, you know, narrow it down and say, how do I move the needle? So maybe I can't solve poverty, but I can go to the local food bank, you know, and I can help a family. And start with that. And if everybody did that, world poverty would say it be gone. You know, if we all fed one other person, we wouldn't have an issue. So then I say, well, how do you move the needle on it? You know, find a small way. We like to look at it and say, oh, it's so big. You know, right, yeah. I never solve it. Oh, climate change. Oh, to heck with it. You know, but if we all did our little bit and the only ones you can control are you. Sure. You know, I started with a world that big vision. When I came up with is world transformation starts with me. You know, yep. rather than I was in a workshop in San Francisco, went out for a jog, 
about stepped on a homeless person, I looked down and said, first thought was, why don't they do something? And then my, my inner voice, which has been trained a little bit by then, echoed back, why don't you do something? Well, you know, yes. <laughs> and yep. I started living in the gap. I said, you know, and our program requires two hours of community service a week. And I say to him quite candidly, I'm not doing this program just so you can go make money. I'm doing this program so that I can extend and leverage my service through you to try to break, you know, fix the world. If everybody, yep. you guys are top people, if you guys go out and serve, you know, that's leveraging myself and making a difference in the world. And that's why I want to give it myself to you, so you'll give to others. Yeah. Well, we, we are we are we are in such alignment in our service, like in our cool. in our mission. That's our cool. Service. It's so so great to um to, to hear that. So refreshing. It, it, I think we're programmed, you know, the societal program of like go big or go home. You yeah. know, look at all this. I I got the big deal done. It's big, big, big dopamine hits. Right. We're we're conditioned to get bigger dopamine hits because we need that because the little things don't move the needle. Yet the little things do move the needle. And, and there's a, nothing wrong with the big houses and the yeah, cars. And, yeah. and even look at the billionaire races of the moon. I say that's sure. – I play the song, I can't get no satisfaction. I mean you can't even be happy on this planet. You've right. got to leave it. Right. You know, we've shit all over it. Now we're going to – sorry, I'm not, I'm probably not no, supposed to right. swear on your right. program. Uh, and then we got to leave it so we find a place that's yeah. habitable. You right. know? right. When we could yep. turn here and say, you know what, why don't we, why don't we, uh, and there's nothing wrong with space. I think going to the moon was yep. one of the greatest achievements of mankind. I have no, no problem with it, but what's your why? Why are you going? Yep. You know, and why yep. it just, I look at that with the amount of billionaires competing with each other. And I go, to me, that shows that there's no end to this greed. There's no end to desire. No. You, you have to That's look insane. inside and say, what do I really need? You know, well, the marketing you, machine will never let desire go down or, no, the, or the, con, the consumption of the wired. world starts to go away. It's up you to know, us. I, it's up to us to I, see it and turn it around. I agree. I agree. It, it, and and it's, what, what's interesting is when someone thinks about ending world hunger, they want that. How do I end world hunger? And you go, well, you know, the, you know, the homeless person you stepped over to go to the bagel <laughs> shop, <laughs> grab a bagel for him. Yeah. Because in that moment, like I said, like when, when, when we have this bagel shop down the street um, and there's always a there's always a, a, a person sitting out there. And I I said to my daughter, like, let's let's make him feel seen today. And my daughter's six years old and she's she's understanding that help and serve mentality. And that that guy then might not be as pissed off when he goes back to the camp, you know, the homeless uh, tent camp tonight. He might go, hey, somebody saw me today, man. There is hope out there. And, and he might be an influencer to the whole camp. Who knows? I don't know. And even if he's like taking advantage of it, just smile. You know, what is this bagel? It's a bagel. Conditions. You know, okay, no, maybe I won't give him one tomorrow. <laughs> I have no conditions on the yeah. on this on the give. Yes. I'm I'm like if I say I'm gonna commit to to uh, getting this guy an option and some opportunity right now and serving him, yeah. then whatever he does, he can, he can piss on the bagel in front of me. I'm not going to be offended. That's his choice. Once the bagel leaves my hand, whatever he does with it is on him. Yeah, it doesn't matter to me. People will go, well, I would give money to homeless people if I knew they wouldn't buy drugs. And I'm like, I encourage them to buy drugs. Whatever makes them happy is not on me. You can't be like, hey, I'll give you twenty bucks if you go learn something with it. That's conditional love. Like you can't. That's mm -hmm. not going to work. That's not going to work. And and 
Well, yeah, so, it's, so, it's, it's pretty sad that we have that issue in America and we, we, we could solve it in a week if we, uh, yes. if we put our heads together and it would be cheaper. I, I, I served with the Homeward, uh, Homeward Bound, I think it was in Fort Collins, where yeah. we went out and surveyed the homeless. And it was housing first. You know, you got to get them in a house. You yeah. know, you can't, uh, you can't get a job if you can't take a shower and get a, get a message, you know, somewhere. How are you going to, you know, and get them cleaned up, you know? Yeah. Do you know, do you know, I, I wish there was a measurement a couple years ago, I, I helped somebody um, develop a, a shower truck and tide was a sponsor yeah. and, and uh, in, in DC. And we were trying to measure like the value of a hot shower, totally. a clean shave, feeling that dirt and grime off your skin. And then looking in a mirror and having your hair like shiny again and, what is that worth? And to they somebody? find that if you don't have those kind of things, that they either go to the emergency room or the jail, and both of which cost three or four times what it does to find a shower and yeah. a bed. You know, yeah, hundreds agree. of thousands of dollars, and it's you know we're afraid that that everyone will be homeless if we take care of them. I, but I think That's if you true. just do it at They'll a minimum level, people They'll aren't going to say, "Oh gosh, I think I'll I think I'd like to be homeless." Yeah, I don't no, think so no. either. No. Um, so I, 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 I want to, I want to switch topics here when, Please. when, uh, when it, I want to get into purpose cause you're great. You and I are so aligned. Yeah. Um, where or how does somebody find their purpose? How, how does somebody even start yeah. that process? Well, we say, and I followed, I follow Eckhart Tolle in this is, uh, you have an inner purpose and an outer purpose. Your inner purpose is presence, is to be awake, to be alert, to understand you're human, to find your consciousness, to find your soul. You know, it's an inside job of finding, just being able to be in the moment so that whatever I'm doing with my outer purpose, which what I'm doing, I can actually be there and be present. But if I don't first yeah. establish, you know, who I am and that I'm present and I'm a human being, I'm consciousness on this earth, then I can't take that into what I'm doing. But if I can get that presence and anything I'm doing, if I show up and I'm aware and I'm alert with you and present with you, then I'm going to deliver that a lot differently than if I'm just non-consciously outperforming things. So first is to, is to have this deep look inside and just say, who am I? I'm presence. You know, I'm, I'm just yeah. consciousness walking around and I borrowed this body for 80 or 90 years. You know, and when I'm done with the body, consciousness will go back up in the universal field of consciousness. Great. So I'm here in a body. And then we find try to find outer purpose. So we match what I'm really good at and where my passions are is one way we do it. What am I really good? I sometimes I'm good at something, you know, some people are good at math and I hate math. Or I was really I loved to sing as a kid and I get I get kicked out of the band I started after three days. You know? I'm an entrepreneur, so I started a band, no problem. But you know, I couldn't sing. So those kind of things. The other thing uh we do and in, in the world of genetics is really coming on and uh we run what's called a self-soul-spirit model. Just find genetically, what am I wired to do? And we have sub-personalities. I have a sub-personality that's an entrepreneur. I have another sub-personality that's an athlete. I have a sub-personality that's a teacher or a coach. I also have an addict. You know, I don't drink anymore. So I have some other less, less uh, attractive parts of me. And it really, as you go out in the world, you find your genetics match your experience. Sometimes those experiences will, will, will turn on certain genes and turn us in one direction or another. 
but then we have these innate skills. So we try to go out and find out, you know, where, where genetically am I, am I gifted and where did my experience really turn me on? What do I like to do? And also we find through that is, you know, self-sabotage is so rampant that we find that we have, and, and again, a lot of it's through our upbringing, our childhood and whatnot. We've adapted things that, that sabotage ourselves that as soon as we get to be a little bit successful, we find a way to screw it up. So we really got to get at the bottom of those self-sabotaging behaviors and start being aware and notice them to come and come up with some strategies that don't sabotage ourselves. It actually, some of that is just feeling, you know, do I deserve this? Yeah. You know, and, 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 and I think service is one of the reasons, one of the ways you can look in the mirror and say, yeah, I do. I'm making a difference here. You know, that's why I deserve this. Cause I'm, 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 I'm bringing a lot of people along with me. I'm not doing this by myself. Yeah. So you think self-sabotage is a fear of success? It was in my case for a while. It wasn't mine too. Yeah. And, and First, not, not, not in terms of being successful. Cause I was, I've always been very successful. It, it, it was, it was in sustaining success and the activities that I had to keep doing that resistance inside of me. That was the hardest thing for me to deal with knowing that I was off course and knowing that I, I was afraid to try and find the course, find the. So many of them the, fall back to a not good enough kind of thing somewhere no. that falls back to, you know, all the messaging we got growing up. Every time you get cut from a team or, you know, turned down on a date or your parents got yep. divorced or whatever it happened, it makes a little chink in you and it yep. just adds up. And so, some people have it a lot worse than others, but starting to face that and notice it through awareness that, hey, I just screwed that up. You know, I just did that to myself. And, you know, you can take something as simple as dieting. You know, people say they're going on a diet. Three days later, you know, at, at 10 at night, they're in the fridge eating chocolate cake. You know, it just happens. And to start noticing that and awareness. The other big thing I think is uh, with this, Ian, is uh, your, your commitments and your habits. And I see them going together. So many times you make a commitment like I'm going to lose the weight. But my habits are pizza you know, staying out late, not getting enough sleep. So I make a commitment, but my habits take me down another path. So we work hard on training our habits to support our commitments because we're habitual creatures. We do the same things over and over again. It takes quite a while longer than most science says, I think, to, to form a habit. But if I form that habit and I have the commitment, when, my, when I fall off my habit for the holidays or vacation or something, my commitments are there to bring me back. And when my commitments fade a little bit, my habits take me through. But I have to have my commitments and my habits lined up to prevent sabotage too. And, yeah. and habits are oh, they're just so important. And it's not just the habits you want to form. It's the ones you need to break. What are you willing to say no to to be successful? You know, it's your no's are important as your yes. Yes, I want to do it to the moon. Yes, I want to do this. Well, are you willing to go to bed at 8 or 9, you know, and get up at 5? You know, are you willing to get in shape? Are you willing to, you know, watch your diet? You got to say, are you willing to stop hanging around the friends that are bringing you to the bar every night? You yep. know, what are you willing to say no to to have the life of your dreams? Is as important yep. as what you just want to say yes to? If you just say yes, you're saying yes. It's like lipstick on a pig. You know, you're not. You haven't addressed. You yeah. know your core issues. So. Yeah, man. We, you and I could get on stage together. We Let's are, do it. We are, coaching, we are coaching in such parallel. It's not even funny. We have, a, <laughs> we have an exercise called the triangle of growth. And, and, and we match up um, 
skills, habits, language, mindset, behavior, beliefs, that kind of thing. And then on the other side, we have, what are you actually willing to do? Somebody will say somebody, what's your vision? What do you want? What's your big goal? I, I want to make, I want to make a million dollars. Always cool. 10, 30. Right. right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> why? Uh, because I want to do this, 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 but we're not judging. So whatever your why is yeah. fine, or your reason for it, fine. And then we go, cool. So in order to do that, you, you just made a hundred thousand in your business. You got a 10 X everything, right? Your time, your energy, your effort, your leverage, your systems, process, procedures, all that. What are you willing to do? And they go at anything it takes. Cool. How make money. I'm willing to make money. <laughs> I got three kids at home. Cool. Are you willing to sacrifice time with them? No. Okay. Then your million dollars is gone. Let's go to half a million. What are you willing to do? Anything it takes. Are you willing to work 80 hours a week and miss your kid's soccer game every week? No. Cool. It's not half a million. Now it's 250. Like, and we find that sweet spot to say like your willingness and the sacrifice is equal to the habits and the commitment you're willing to actually have. Yeah. And that formula will work for somebody. Then he get to 250. Then let's talk about half a million. They get to half a million. Let's talk about a million. The other thing the I have them. Habit. The other thing I have them do is, is identify this ideal life that they want and yeah. then go through what it would cost. First, what it yeah. would cost if you borrowed the money, you know, and made payments at certain interest rates. And that sets a, this is what it would cost. And then, so this is what you'd have to earn. Right. Or then what would it cost to have it free and clear over time? Because usually I find you find yeah. the assets and then you find a way to get them clear. But, right. uh, and people haven't thought of that. They just want the 10 million, you know, yeah. <laughs> or the million or whatever the heck it is. They haven't thought of, I, I say, you know, a certain amount of money works for you. But sure. I know billionaires that go to work every day for their money. You know, they have to show up because they're so nervous that it's not invested in the highest investment, that they missed yeah. an opportunity, they didn't grow or whatnot, and that they're working for the money. I want, what, what amount of money is it that the money's working for me that I can be big and be, you know, have a life of dreams, you know, that uh, just to have money for its own sake, that's not a purpose. Well, that's no. a great, that's, that's great that you do that, Ian. What uh, have you have you ever seen the Carl Icahn documentary on Netflix? I don't think I have. I'm familiar it's with really it. Good. I, yeah, I, I think you you'd like it. I mean, this guy's a yeah, this guy's a grinder. He and is. This guy's in his 80s and he is grinding every day. He grinds. Why? And I, that's the he's <laughs> he's very he's, he's married, but his wife and him yeah. don't you know don't really have this great relationship. It's, it's interesting to see the hustle and the. Uh, the, 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 the systems and the type of processes and the work ethic and that kind of thing. Yet you look at the results and you go, cool, the guy's a billionaire and he's miserable. And yeah, he's got a house in the Hamptons on the water, but what else does he have? That's his whole thing. No, no now, thanks. <laughs> well, I will tell you what I learned about him was that he started going after these big corporate fat cat boards that mm -hmm. were driving companies bankrupt. Him do it. Yeah. Right. And I like that. I think that's awesome. And that advocacy yet at a certain point, when do you shift gears and go, cool, I've got 2 billion in a bank account. I don't live that high of a lifestyle. I could go do this. And I think that's what people need to understand is yeah. they, they are myself included, by the way, I thought the money would make me free inside. Yeah, I thought the money doesn't. would take away anxiety and fear. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's an inside yeah. job. Inside job. And, and, totally. and, and that's one of the biggest things we take people through is there's nothing exterior that's going to solve all your interior problems. Nothing. 
right. Yeah, maybe my exercise is on the exterior, or maybe your stuff on the exterior where you're teaching. Just it's always an inside job. It has to be. Yeah. So, look, I, I totally support you on that. Like, you don't need a million dollars. Your lifestyle can be supported on three fifty. So go work for three fifty and then go enjoy your life. Yeah, and if, go, you, if you decide you want something more, work a little more. Or the other thing is. I'd say, you know, if you really love your job and love the people you work with, there's no reason why you can't love the people you work with like your friends you grew up with. You know, if you spend time with them, and they're, they're people, and they're great people. If you love to go to work, which I do, I, I still go to work because I love the people I work with. I love what I, I love real estate. I love business. You know, I love yeah. a deal, you know, and I love the people I work with. So it's like I can be as happy at work as I am at home or, you know, in Hawaii. Yeah. And I, I like to go to Hawaii too. I'm not, you know, not <laughs> right. stupid. Right. But, but uh, let me ask you a question. Yeah. You're, you're, a, you're a super successful guy. I, I find that when I start dreaming about, um, well, you know, Los Angeles is the land. I lived there in 1988. Well, you didn't live here in a great time for Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe downtown. I think, I think the West Side. And the I lived on the West Side okay. near Santa Monica. Yeah. Okay. So it's still probably okay. Um, I've learned about the stuff that I thought I wanted and I don't want anymore. It just doesn't do anything for me. Yet I, I, I do uh, sometimes have a challenge with, okay, I've got X amount of dollars that I'd like to, um, I'd like to do something with. Mm -hmm. And I have children I'd like to take a trip with them. And I find myself going, okay, well, if the trip is X dollars, why don't we, why don't we cut it in half donate that money to somewhere and we'll take a trip that's half the price. And my wife goes, well, I, I love the fact that we're donating and helping other people. What about us? What about our experiences as a family? Where does that weigh in? And, and I'm telling you, I have, I have been challenged with that. Like let's say a vacation costs uh, five grand just for a you know, yeah. rough round number, five grand. Well, instead of spending five grand, I start feeling like if we spent two grand and donated three grand, I would feel so much fulfillment from that and have the experience of the trip. Do you ever feel like that? Yeah, I do sometimes. Yeah. Okay. We go to Maine every summer. I'm from Maine. I ended up with a place on the yeah. lake there. You know, I can go there for the summer less than it costs to go uh, skiing for a week in Colorado, you know, with right. just the price discrepancy. Right. But yeah, I, I do feel that, that sometimes. And sometimes you just have the guilt of it. But the more, sure. more I give back in various ways and yep. – and also, sometimes I get over it and go take the vacation, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I enjoy. Yeah. I enjoy a good time, you know. I, I but I, what I don't do is I don't go stay at usually stay at the five star place. I'm just as happy at the four star place or at the Airbnb, and yeah. uh, you know, five hundred dollar round of golf. Oh no, one hundred and fifty or two hundred is plenty, you know. Yeah. So I, I do, like you're saying, you know, troll it back a little bit because you find that. The world is set up like to spend any amount of money. Like we go to Hawaii to a place at Kona, uh, the big island, and you yep. just see the resort set up from one, two, three, four, five. There's not much difference in the exterior of it, but it's like if you want to spend 20 grand here, 15 grand here, 10 grand here, five here, or whatever it is, you know, yep. it's just like they have it set up to make sure that they can get yep. whatever somebody's willing to spend. Dude, but the exterior of the beach is the same. You know, What's it's the it's the you know it's the uh, aesthetics of the of the building and you know. 
how many people are waiting on you and those kind of things. So I totally get what you're saying. And I, I, I'm, I try to make wise choices and go in the middle somewhere, you know, usually. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It, yeah. It's that's a that's an interesting concept. I, I look at that here when, when friends come out to visit who have never been to L.A., they'll be like, God, man, there's there's like a service for everything. And I go, look, there's there's big money here. Yeah. You, they got to they have to invent shit for people to spend money <laughs> on here. They just do. And they really they're do. good at it. And they're good at it. We're good at yeah. spending money. Yeah. And hey, look, more power to you. I love the capitalism <laughs> piece. I love it. And I'm, and just like you are, are preaching here, too. You have to. It's the world through you. It's not about you. It's about the world through you. You got to have some kind of bigger level purpose than just building a company for money. So this has been a this has been a very refreshing conversation. I'm really happy with this. Me too. Great to meet you. Really appreciate you being on. Absolutely appreciate meeting you too. That was a fast hour. Yeah, I've got a book coming out next year, Ian. You might look for it. Uh, uh, Profit with purpose. 12 Pillars of Mindful Leadership, which is the basis of our programs. Yeah, yeah so why don't we uh, why don't we schedule a time for you to come back on when that book comes That'd out? That'd be great. Right? Next spring. Yeah. That would be awesome. That's going to come fast. Yeah. It's going to come fast. So, all right. Dr. Eric Holzapple, yeah? Yeah. Can I get my website out there, Ian, just in case somebody Ooh. wants to check out livingInTheGap.org? We have introductions and, and programs. And if anybody would like to know a little more and get on the on the list and know when the book's coming out, livingInTheGap.org would be great. Well, how can someone get a hold of you? Can they get a hold of you through that? Right through that website. Send a message. I'll get it. It's a small – we're a small gig. I'll get it. I'm watching. Okay. It'll be awesome. Love to, love to hear love from it. you. Yeah, yeah. I um, yeah, I, I really appreciate this conversation. I know the audience will too. So it's great to it's great to know that there's other people on the same mission out there and just we're all pulling together for uh, a, a, as cliche as it sounds a, a better a better experience for humans on earth yeah, totally. and that sounds we, we very can do it. if, if everybody chips in a little bit we can do it we can turn this ship and it's a big ship but we can turn it around and get it in a better direction so and it starts with agreed. each one of us so agreed great all right eric thank you for being here appreciate you. you my friend um Audience, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed this one. Please feel free to reach out uh, to us, reach out to Eric. Let us know what you thought about this episode and enjoy. Enjoy your life. Go out there and And give something back to the community. And I'll see you next spring. Thank you. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Take care.